right, grab your Bibles. We're in the book of Acts. We're in the book of Acts. Acts chapter number five. Acts chapter number five. All right. Is this mic like a lot louder or my hearing aid's working? <laughs> hearing aid's working? Okay. I have to turn them down. All right. How many of y'all glad to be saved? In the next few days, how many of you glad you're going to have some heat? If you don't, we'll help you. Amen. Amen. It's going to be, it's going to be nasty in the next few days. All right. Acts chapter number five. Uh, let's just read, let's read the text of where we're going to be dealing with tonight. And then I'll, I'll go back and, and I'll, I'll catch you up from uh, the beginning of the chapter. Chapter five, verse number 11. Verse number 11. When you get there, say amen. Then great, what's that word? Fear. Come on, everybody. Then great fear. fear. And great fear came upon all the church. And many, upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest durst not, uh, excuse me, and of the rest durst not man join himself to them. But the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least a shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, uh, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. How many of them? Then the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison or just a public prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught, but the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told and said, The prison truly found we shut with all safety and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found there wasn't nobody there. Now when the high priest and the captains of the temple and the chief priests heard these things and doubted of them whereunto this would grow, then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in his name? And behold, in other words, look, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us, which is very ironic because just a few weeks before they were crying, his blood be on us and our children. Amen. Amen? Right. And it says, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, now everybody read with me. We ought to obey God rather than read it again. One more time. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the honor of being in your house. Lord, I, I thank you for the, the people that are here. Lord, it's nasty outside, rainy, and, and, and uh, Lord, they came anyway. They came to hear a blessing. They came to be blessed and encouraged and to be edified and to, to grow and to learn. And, and Lord, please don't let them be disappointed. I pray that they'll get what they need. I pray that you'll speak to each and individual heart that they'll get what they need tonight. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for all that you do and what you've done for me personally. And Lord, for Temple Baptist Church and Lord, for your people. And God, I pray that you'll help us now. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Lord, please don't let me forget anything I should. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. If you were here last week, you remember uh, uh, that there was a tragedy that took place in the church. A very shocking event, if you will. Uh, There there was a, a situation where people were bringing offerings into the church. Uh, God had touched them with a, a spirit of generosity and a, a spirit of love for their fellow man. And, and they, they were seeing needs that, that, that required some help. And, and they begin to sell houses and they begin to sell land and, 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 and bring those prices and bring those offerings and lay them at the disciples' feet and, and gave them to them and said, listen, distribute it any way you see fit. What you do, what it, what you need to do, and they begin to help, and they begin to encourage, and they begin to bless, and that is a great thing. Say Amen. Great thing, but there was a problem. There was a problem. You know, Satan had already tried to stop the church. Satan had already tried to discourage the church and and throw an obstacle in the way of the cause of Christ and and getting the gospel out. They they had already been threatened, right? They'd been threatened, don't preach in this name anymore. They were arrested. They went back to the church and they, instead of of sucking their thumb and whining about it, instead of uh, calling the government, listen, all they did was prayed. And they asked God for boldness. Give us boldness to do what you've asked us to do. And you know what God did? He gave them, he gave them boldness. Man, they had courage. They had, they, they had an, an excitement about them and a boldness to preach the gospel and, and God's answer in prayer. Now, the devil's saying, hmm, that didn't work. Attacking them from the outside didn't work. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to attack from the inside from the inside so this is what happened two two people a husband and wife uh ananias and sapphira they they went and sold property and they brought the money and gave it to the the disciples but there was only one there was only one problem they kept back part of the price now is keeping back part of the price a sin no why peter told them you didn't have to give anything when before you sold it, it was yours. After you sold it, it was yours. You didn't have to do a blessed thing with it. This was not out of obligation. They did it because they wanted to. So where is the problem? Here's the problem. They were telling everybody, we're giving everything we have. We have sold this for this price and we're bringing this price and giving it to God. In other words, they wanted people to think of them something they really were not. In other words, look at me, look what I'm giving, look at my offering. And what did we, what did we distinguish that they were doing last week? We, we, we learned they were stealing glory from God. God will not share his glory. 
He will share his home. He will share his son. He will share his provisions. He will share his blessings. He will share his forgiveness. He will share his mercy. He will share his love, but he will not share his glory. God knows us. He knows who we are. He knows what we're about. You can hide things from your neighbor. You can hide things from your spouse, but you will not hide things from God. He knows. He's aware of our motives. He will check our motives. Listen, we, he, he doesn't just care about what we do. He cares about why we do it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And what happened? God judged them. He killed both of them. Let that sink in a minute. This is the New Testament. This is the New Testament. We, we, we see God doing stuff kind of like that in the Old Testament a lot. He, 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 he sent fire and brimstone and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And I mean, that's a, that's a judge. God judged sin back then, right? He, he, did some, he did some incredibly drastic things then. But we're talking about the New Testament. We're talking about the time that we're living in. In the early, the beginning stages of the church that, that we belong to, we find that God killed two people for lying. And trying to, to steal glory from God. Now, this is, this is where I want to go with this. When you just read it, it doesn't, it doesn't really sink in. But what if God, what if God was to kill a couple of us because of our disobedience, because of our sin? I would think, I would think our membership would fall off drastically. If word got around that that, that God's presence was in this place so much that, that if, you, if you were trying to pull the wool over on God's eyes, God would just take you out. There wouldn't be a whole lot of people lined up to join temple. And that's what, that's what happened here. The Bible says, durst, no man durst join themselves to them. In other words, unbelievers. Unbelievers had a fear. They knew what happened. They heard what happened. They said, we're not joining up with that crowd. You go in that crowd, in other words, what happened? There was a fear of God. And not only, did, not only did sinners fear God in that situation, it brought a fear of God on the church also. You say, well, preacher, if God judges sin or we deal with sin, then that's just going to be terrible. We won't grow. Well, according to the next verse, the very verse after that, yes, unbelievers stayed away, but true believers flocked to them and wanted to be a part of God's church. And, and, and this is where I want to go with this. Great fear. Say that with me. Great fear. We like to talk about great grace. You know, in the, in, in the chapter before, we said when they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spake the word of God with boldness, and the, and the Bible says that they, they experienced great power, right? And we love talking about that. We love quoting Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me with great power, dunamis. 
The word we, where we get our word dynamite and dynamic and dynamo, right? Wait, listen, or dynamo. We, this is a power that's working on the inside of us. And we like to talk about, we like to talk about greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I have power over my sin. I have power over the devil. We've got great power in God. And man, that's great. And a church needs to have that power. A church has to have that power. It is required. It is a necessity. It is, it is, listen, we can't operate in our own ability. If we're not operating in the power of God, we'll be, we'll not be successful. The singing won't work. The preaching won't work. The teaching won't work. The witnessing won't work. We have to have and operate in the power of God. Right? And that's great. And we love talking about that and preaching about that and learning about that. Man, how do we have the power of God? And then it said they had great grace. Not only were they experiencing great power, they were experiencing great grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It is a kindness shown. In other words, it was a blessing. God is smiling on them. He, we have God's favor. Are y'all with me? God's help. God's hand, if you will. And I'm telling you, if there's anything a church needs, we need the favor of God. We need God smiling on us and we need God looking toward us and being happy with what we're trying to accomplish for him. We need his assistance. We need his blessings. We need his touch. Amen. And we preach about that a lot and we talk about that a lot. And we we shout about that and we, we, we celebrate that. The hand of God. But rarely do we talk about, rarely is it ever preached about. We don't want to mention this great fear. Fear. You turn on the TV and every message is about God's love, mercy, kindness, the goodness of God. Now, I, I, I believe and I agree with all those things. But when you only get one side of the equation, when you only hear about one side of God, that's, that you're going to have a false sense of who God is. And because of that, because of that, we are living in a generation that thinks that God is the old man upstairs. He's just like a big old grandpa up there that just don't care what none of his grandkids do. Y'all with me? Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Don't. That's not God. And we've lost the fear of God in the local church. We've lost the fear of God. Now, let me say a few things about the fear of God. Y'all don't have this, so if you just want to listen, I, I want to give you a few verses out of Proverbs, and then we'll start in our, our intro. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, you can't even begin to know something until you learn to fear God. Proverbs 3.7, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 10.27, 
The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Proverbs 15, 16, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Proverbs 16, 6, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And watch this now. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. It doesn't say men depart from evil because of God's love. It says they depart from evil because of the fear of God. Listen. Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord tendeth to life and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Proverbs 22, 4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Church say amen. amen. I want you to look at your introduction. Deuteronomy 10, 12, the fear of the Lord or the concept of fearing God. Fearing God, awe and reverence. It was way before the book of Proverbs. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12 it says, And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God, what's that word? Require. Require. What do you think the word require means? You got to have, right? It's, it's imperative. All right? What does the Lord thy God require of thee but to... Come on, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul. Do you see what come first? God wants you to fear him before he wants you to love him. Now watch Ecclesiastes 12. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Now, now Ecclesiastes is, is the book of the preacher, the backslidden preacher. Ecclesiastes is, is the book written by the wisest man to ever live, the richest man to ever live, the most powerful man to ever live, the one man in the history of mankind who was allowed to have every single pleasure, every single possession, every single thing that this, this world that we live in could offer. And he said, I'm going to find peace under the sun. I'm going to find pleasure under the sun. I'm going to find fulfillment and satisfaction under the sun. Now, y'all remember Solomon. God gave him a supernatural wisdom and allowed him to keep that wisdom even in his backslidden state. And whatever there was to buy, he bought it. Whatever there was to do, he did it. Whatever there was to have, he had it. Wine, women, song, sexual pleasure. Listen, possessions, everything the world tells you, you have to have to be fulfilled and satisfied. And this is what he said. It is vanity. And the word vanity means empty. I searched the world over. I searched the world over. I did everything there was and it left me feeling empty. No satisfaction, unfulfilled. And this is the end of that letter. This verse is the end of that letter. He said, after all of my searching, after all of the research, after all of my experiences, after everything I have learned, this is the conclusion. This is the conclusion. 
Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What's the word? Fear God. God. Say it with me. And keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Why? For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Oh, preacher, that's the Old Testament. Okay. Let's mosey on over to the New Testament. Matthew 10, 28. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus speaking. And by the way, this is, he's speaking to one of his largest crowds he ever spoke to. The most religious crowd he ever spoke to. What would, what would you, if you, if you had the opportunity, if you had the opportunity to speak in the largest church in America, if you, if you had the, the opportunity to speak before the most religious crowd in America, what would you speak on? What would you talk about? What would be the topic of your message? What would be the topic of your sermon? Largest crowd? Most religious crowd? You know, most people say they want to speak on the love of God, not Jesus. He spoke on hell. And this is what he said. Y'all going. He said, you're fearing You're fearing the wrong thing. You're fearing the wrong people. Because all they cared about was the adoration of man. And they cared about what this person thought about them or that person thought about them. And they were filled with pride. Now watch what Jesus tells them. Matthew 10, 28. Fear not them which kill the body. Fear not them which kill the body and are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Are y'all with me? You know what he's saying? You better fear God. You better quit worrying about what the world thinks. You better quit worrying about what everybody else thinks. And you better fear God because one day God is going to cast you into hell. Don't believe, don't believe this hype. Don't believe this, this word on the street that God is so loving. He would never throw anybody into hell. Don't believe that because Jesus said he will. Amen. Amen. That's New Testament. Here's New Testament. Philippians 2.12. Philippians 2.12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Paul was speaking. This is what he says. Work out your own. Now now keep in mind, if you're not familiar with this verse, he's not saying work for your salvation. He's saying work it out. When you get saved, God puts something in you. He gives you a gift. He gives you a, a, a spiritual gift to work out for his glory. And he is saying work out your salvation. Watch this now. Two words with and say it again. This is, guys, this is not just respect. I've even, I've said this before. And I've heard a lot of preachers say this. The fear of God means to respect him. Now, I've respected a lot of things, but I never trembled at it. But there's been things I've been afraid of that made me tremble. I trembled at my father's belt. 
Are y'all with me? Oh, God doesn't want you to fear him that way. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Oh, no, God wants you to love him. I, I love my father. And because of how my father corrected me, I respected and I reverenced my father. But don't ever doubt this. I feared that belt. I feared his word. My father never counted one time with me. I, I see parents counting all the time. Johnny, don't do that. One, two, three. I, no, 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 no. My father never counted. He never gave me that chance. I knew when he said it, he meant it. And let me tell you something. God means what he says. And he says, fear him with fear and trembling. Well, we don't see that in the church anymore. Listen, look at the next one. Hebrews 12, 28. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with what? And why? Why? Verse 29, read it with me. For our God is a... Y'all get that? He's, he's describing our God as a consuming fire. Consuming means burn up. He says, we better fear him. We better fear him. Look at this other reason. 1 Peter 1.17. And if you call on the Father, who, watch this now, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. In other words, because you have a Father that's going to judge you, Past the time of your sojourning. In other words, all your time here on earth, you better spend it in Why? Because he's going to judge you. I've seen people post this on Facebook. I was riding down the road. I was riding down the road and there's a sticker on the back of a truck that says, only God can judge me. Don't you know he will? Don't you know he's going to? Listen, the people that use that terminology, people say, oh, don't you judge me. Only God can judge me. That, they think they think that they can get away with their behavior that's contrary to the word of God and don't want you to say nothing about it. But what they little do they know, the, the person that's saying something about it is not the one you need to be worried about. It's the one you're going to stand before one day. And there's so much... There's so much that's happening in the church today. We, are, we, are, we have no concept of the fear of God. We treat God, like I said, as this grandfather up in heaven who doesn't really care or doesn't really see what's going on. But there's an all-seeing eye watching us, and he does care. We need to fear God again. I, listen, I came back. I came back one time. I... I, I I went to, me and dad, we usually walk over to church early when he was pastoring in Temple. We lived right beside the church and, and, uh, and, and we walked in and I tried to get some water out of the water fountain and there was no water. And, and I said, dad, the water fountain's not working. He said, well, go see if the, see if the water pump uh, flipped the breaker or whatever. 
and, and I, walked, I walked around where I knew the water pump was and in the back of the church, the door, you know where that's at, right on behind the church there. And I walked around and I looked and I looked and I looked and I, I didn't see no water pump. I went back in and I said, Dad, I, I, I didn't see the water pump. There wasn't, there wasn't a water pump back there. He said, boy, don't you. I said, I'm telling you, Dad, there ain't no water pump. I didn't see no water pump. I know what a water pump looks like, but it he walks back there and somebody had sawed the pipes and took an axe and hit the wires on the water pump and stole the water pump from the church. I mean, just right from the church. I was, I was maybe 10 or 11 years old at the time. And I remember, I remember an old evangelist coming to church. I was a little old bitty thing. I mean, I sat around the front row and, and, and I remember this, this old evangelist preaching about about when 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 the the the, the uh, an older farmer this was in horse, horse and buggy days it was i can't rem, i can't remember so i don't want to say i can't remember whether he was on the buggy or what the deal was but but the, the horse and buggy and there was kids cutting up playing in the buggy and and he was just riding and they come to, and right in front of the church and as soon as they got in front of the church the old farmer took his hat off and slapped the two kids and said hey behave because they were in front of the church and made him sit still and be quiet till they were past the church. I've read articles that spoke about when the pastor and his family would come out of the pastorium. Because usually they would live in houses right there close to the church or right beside the church. And everybody would stand while the man of God came with the word of God. Not because necessarily they respected him as a person as much as he was the one carrying God's word. Where's that going? We act any old way. We live any old way. Live in open, blatant sin and walk into church with no fear whatsoever. No fear whatsoever. And we wonder why we have no power. We wonder why the world doesn't respect God and doesn't fear God. Why should they if we won't? We lead by example. Fear God. But this church did. The Bible says when, when God judged and he brought chastisement on these two church members, great fear came on all the church. And I, w- I want to give you three things real quickly. What will fear produce? And I'm talking about the fear of God. What will fear produce? Why do we need it? Three things I see. Look in verse number 28. They've been arrested. They've been arrested. And and I'm going to come back to those verses in between. But they've been arrested, put in prison. God broke them out. He told them to go back and teach and preach. They did that. They're, They're taken into custody again. And now they're before the court. Verse 28. Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach? Are y'all with me? Verse 28. That ye should not teach in this name. Behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, read it with me. We. First thing I see. Number one. What did the fear of God produce in, these, in these, these people? First, a commitment 
to obedience. A commitment to obedience. We live in a world where people obey if it's convenient. We, we live in a world where, where, where professing Christians obey if, it's, if it doesn't cost them anything or if it's, if it's only convenient or if it's something they, they're okay with. They treat God's word like a buffet, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but I'm not going to worry about it. I, I mean, I, I hear, I hear we, 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 will have, we will have something and teaching you something straight out of God's word. And, and, and I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And be careful, be careful with the amen and be careful with all that because God, God might remind you of something. Listen, they were committed to obedience. Say that with me. Committed to two things. They were committed to obedience in spite, in spite of the command. Now watch. They're in jail. They're in jail. And they are in custody. But watch what happens. Verse 19. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, what's the next word? Come on, everybody. Everybody. Go. Stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Now watch. Go stand and speak in the temple. Now wait a minute. Now, Lord, that's just where we got ran off from. Lord, I'm not sure if you remember or not, but that's where we got arrested. That's where they threatened us. That's where, that's where all this trouble started to begin with. How about the shore of Galilee? Let's go there. No. What did it say? When he said, go stand and preach in the temple, you know what it says? Early, early in the morning, they went and did what was told. In other words, they were committed to obedience in spite of the command. How many of y'all know God will command you to do some crazy stuff? He commanded the nation of Israel to march around the city of Jericho and blow trumpets. He commanded Gideon. Are y'all with me? Thin out the army, son. You got way too many. He, He commanded Jehoshaphat, put the choir in the front. Not the soldiers, put the choir in the front. God will ask you to do crazy things. Like, like, like witness to your neighbor. Like speak up. You know what the great commission of the church is? And by the way, the church is the church. That's all of us. Not the preacher. Oh, preacher, I don't mind doing this or that, but I don't, don't ask me to talk to nobody. Well, don't, you don't get a choice in the matter. You don't get to choose what you're going to obey and what you're not going to obey. Well, preacher, I'll do all this stuff, but don't ask me to do that. Well, then you're being disobedient. Preacher, I'll sing, but don't ask me to witness. Preacher, I'll, I'll, I'll teach, but don't, but don't ask me to. Preacher, I'll, I'll, I'll hold the door open, but don't ask me to. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the one that decided to Obey in his own way. How many of y'all remember a man by the name of Saul? You know the first one. King Saul. You know what God told him to do? Go to the Amalekites, destroy all of them. Destroy the animals, 
destroy the king, destroy everything. And we know he didn't, right? He saved the king alive. He saved the best of the animals, the best of the sheep, the best of the cattle. He almost did everything. Did y'all get that? He did a lot. He did a lot of what God said, but not all of it. Now watch what God thought about it. 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Read it with me. Behold to... And to hearken in the fat of rams. Now watch, read this with me, come on. For... And stubbornness is as... For rebellion is a sin of... What does that mean? If you do some of what God tells you, you're in rebellion. And you might, well, I'll tell you what, these cults and these devil worshipers, well, that's where he's putting you in the category. But you know what fear of God will do? It'll motivate you to obey. Regardless of what he says. Regardless of what he asks you to do. Regardless of... Listen, secondly on that, in spite of the command, in spite of what it is he asks you to do, and in spite of the consequences, in spite of the consequences, they had already been arrested, and now, guess what? They got beat. Most likely 39, they were flogged, 39 stripes, because they were not allowed to go over 40, according to Old Testament law, so they would stop at 39. But guess what? They did it anyway. Obey in spite of the consequences. You know what will make you do that? You know what will make you obey God no matter what man does, no matter what man says, no matter if you fear God? Because I found this out. When you really truly fear God, you don't fear nothing else. Well, preacher, I'm just shy. I'm just shy. Don't, don't. Don't come at me with that. Because you ain't no shyer than I am. But guess what? We're commanded. We're commanded. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't do what you do. You ain't tried. Have you prayed for boldness? Or just said you can't do it. Let me tell you what my father would always tell me. Drive me insane. When I, when I would tell him I can't, this is what he would say. Can't never could do nothing. Say it with me. Say it again. Quit saying you can't. You know how I know you can? Because God wouldn't command you to do something you can't. But I'll tell you this, you can't do it alone. You know why those disciples, you know why those disciples asked for boldness? You know why? Let me give you a newsflash. I mean, this is real deep and everything because they didn't have none. Right? See, they were shy too. They were nervous too. Y'all with me? But the fear of God produced 
Listen, a commitment to be obedient. They said, look, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say. We fear God more than we fear you. Watch this. Man ought, that's obligation, man ought to obey God rather than You know what that means? They feared God more than they feared men. So that fear gave them and it produced in them a commitment to obey. Secondly, quickly, 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 secondly. Oh, I got plenty of time. Look at that wrong. All right, write this down. You know what the fear of God did? It produced a boldness to proclaim the gospel. Watch this. I love this part. Now, now this is Peter. In Acts chapter number 2, he preached the gospel. All right. Let me back up here one. On the day of Pentecost, they were wondering what in the world is going on, and he preached the gospel. He heals a man... And gets arrested, or, or, or he, he tells them when he heals them. Remember the man that's crippled in the gate? And everybody runs up to him. He's got a crowd. When, he, when a crowd gathered, what did he do? He preached the gospel. They arrested him, and he's before the court. And guess what he does? Okay, that's five of you. Let's do it. Come on, everybody. Okay, he, 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 we see it happening again. God kills some people in the church, brings judgment and chastisement on two members of the church, and great fear spreads abroad, and they are captive again, and guess what they do? Are y'all with me? Now, they're before the court. They're right in the middle of the court, and this is what the court says. Did not we command you to not preach in his name? And you know what? Peter said, <coughs> watch, this is so good. I mean, right when he says it, look what it says. Look what it says. <clears throat> Verse 30. Verse 30. You there? Okay, I'll wait till you get there. Verse 30. You there? The God of, no, let me, let, me, let me back up. Let me back up. Look what they say in verse 28. You filled You filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Now watch. And intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, now modern day prosperity preachers would say, no, no, no. That's not what we're trying to do. That's not what we're trying to do. We just, we just, hey, we just want to love people. That's not what we're trying to do. Not Peter. Look what he does. They say, you're trying to bring the blood of this man upon us. Watch this. Verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye, you killed him. They had a boldness to proclaim the gospel. Now watch two things here. I want you to write down. In spite of the audience, in spite of the audience, he didn't care that he was standing in front of the people that could take his life. 
He was standing in front of the people that had already judged him and, and commanded him not to preach anymore. He didn't care who the audience was. Are y'all with me? Now, let me ask you this. Let's, let's bring it home. Let's apply it to us today. Will you witness anytime, anywhere to anyone? Well, I don't think so. Well, then you might want to check and see if you've got the fear of God. Because the Bible says, be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. It also says, be instant in season and out of season. That means when they like it and when they don't. It doesn't matter who the audience is. It doesn't matter what color the audience is. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks they're from. It doesn't matter if they're rich or they're poor. None of that matters. Will you proclaim the gospel to whosoever? I'll tell you when you'll do it. When you have a real fear of God in your heart. You know why I know that? Because that's what God commanded you to do. You know why he preached it in the court? He preached it in the courtyard. He preached it in the homes. He preached it in the temple. He preached it out in the street. You know why? Because there was a day that Jesus stood in front of them and he said, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And that command and commission is to every single one of us. And we've got to be willing to proclaim the gospel. I was reading this and studying this. I was reading over this today and, 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 and I went in the kitchen to get a cup of ice. And there was a gentleman in there. There was a gentleman in there uh, from the Huntsville area uh, get, putting supplies or getting something out of there. I don't remember what he was doing, but he, he was in there. And, and I walked by and said, how you doing, bro? And he said, hey, I'm doing good. How you doing? And, and I got my little cup of ice, walked right by him, just went right on out the door. And God said, he's a whosoever. You, you just typed it on the paper and you just walked right by him. Guess what? Hey, man. Yes, sir. I said, you get to go to church anywhere? He said, yeah, man, I've been, I've been going to... Uh, What's that one from Birmingham that's everywhere? Uh, what, Hillside? Highlands, that's it. Highlands. He said, we go to Highlands, our kids love it and everything. And I said, man, that's great. That's cool. It's, it makes it a whole lot easier when the kids want to go to church, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, man, do you know Jesus? I said, it don't matter where you go if you don't know Jesus. And, oh, man, he had the biggest smile in the world. He said, oh, yeah, I know Jesus. And I, I reached over there, and I said, hey, man, my name's Malcolm Carter. I pastor here. He said, I've heard about you. I said, uh-oh. <laughs> I said, i got to get back to my office, but good to know you, amen. <laughs> That's what it means. Some of us have got this idea that to, 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 to be a witness Means you got to go get on the on the corner of a street somewhere and build you a box, stand up on, and say you're going to hell, turn or burn, everybody. That's not that's not what that means. It means when you go get a cup of ice and you see somebody you don't know, engage them. And you know what? It it was it was it wasn't hard at all. You know why? Because I was trying my best to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And do what the Holy Spirit led me to do. And when the Holy Spirit led me to do it, he gave me the courage and the boldness to do it. Well, I don't care, preacher, I ain't got that boldness because you ain't tried. You know what? I, I, people say, well, I don't have that dying grace. That's because you ain't dying. 
And God's not going to give you something if you're not going to use it. Some of you have already made up your mind. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm shy. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm not going to do it. Man, I, I, I can't wait till you get to heaven and you tell him that. Because you're going to have to. The conclusion of the whole matter, fear God, keep his commandments, for God shall bring every work into judgment, whether they be good or whether they be evil. And all God's people see it. Listen, they had a boldness to proclaim the gospel in spite of the audience. Now watch this. In spite of the offense. The offense. Preacher, what do you mean the offense? Well, he said, you killed Jesus. How offensive do you think that was? Uh, I just came to tell you that you uh, killed God's son. We, we, we don't want to share our faith because we're afraid we're going to offend somebody. Do you know what the Bible calls Jesus? The rock of offense. Do you know what the gospel is? It's about a bloody, gory cross. And it says to those who do not believe, it is very what? offensive you're going to have to understand the gospel is offensive the gospel gets in your face the gospel shows you who you really are they're sitting there listen you're you're trying to bring this man's blood upon us and our children guess what the disciples wasn't doing that it's already there you did it when you killed him And by the way, by the way, that blood has been on the Jewish people from that time to now. Listen, don't be afraid to share the gospel. It is offensive. It is offensive. And let me tell you who it's the most offensive to? Religious people. There was a lady in Barnwell. At Long Branch Baptist Church, where I passed her before I came here. And, uh, and uh, she was probably in her 70s, high 70s. And, and this is what she said to me in the most arrogant tone, in the most arrogant way. I have always been a Christian. Let me translate that. I was born and raised in this church. I've always been in this church. And I'm very religious. No one, no one has always been a Christian. We all, say it with me, we start out as sinners. I've been in in church my whole life. But I was a sinner. My, I, I, I read this story of, of two tourists that pulled up into a, a, a little country town and, and the first little store that they pulled up to, there was a porch and two old men playing checkers. And they pulled up beside him and said, hey, is there any famous people born here? They said, nope, just babies. <clears throat> Some of y'all got it. 
sinners. I go to church. I go to church every day. Do you realize the most wicked people that Jesus ever dealt with was the most religious people? Sometimes, sometimes totally heathen hoodlums are easier to witness to than people born in the Bible Belt. Because they associate salvation with church attendance and religiosity. Oh, my, my mother and father was a Christian. And when you say, are you a Christian? They, they, they label themselves that like it's a Republican or Democrat name. And when you say you must be born again, it doesn't matter how much church you go to. It doesn't matter how much Bible you know and you memorize. It doesn't matter how many offerings you've been given. Listen, it, none of that matters. Do you know Christ? We are all sinners. You can be a sinner outside of church, but you can also be a religious sinner sitting in church every week. That's offensive. People don't want to hear that. But guess what? If we fear God, we got to tell the truth regardless. Regardless. They had a boldness to proclaim the truth. It didn't matter who the audience was. It It didn't matter how offensive the message was. They had to tell the truth. And they would. Why? They were motivated by what? The Fear of God. Lastly, number three. Number three. That's not lastly. We got two more, don't we? Yeah, we got two more. Look at this. They were beaten. They were beaten. <clears throat> and like I said, most likely, most likely with 30, 39 stripes, you know, 40 save one. And the Bible says in verse 40, verse 40, and to, the, and to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and, say it with me, and when they called the apostles and beaten them. Now let that sink in a minute. I'm not, I'm not saying that their persecution was a flat tire on the way to church. I'm not saying that they had to get out in the rain to go to church. I'm not saying they had to get up early in the morning and get the kids ready and dressed and everything just to make it to church. That's not persecution. I'm talking about they were beaten, flogged, with whips, with leather straps, possibly rods. Beaten. Say it with me. Say it with me. Beaten. Now watch. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council with welts, bruises, possibly bleeding in their back, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Woohoo! Think about that. I don't know, I don't know if, if y'all caught, <clears throat> if you were here Sunday, I don't know if you caught uh, what Brother Paul was saying about one of the missionaries that's under him. And by the way, you support him. It's from your, your generosity helps this, this missionary do his thing, not just Brother Paul, but the one under him. They threw stones at him and broke four of his front teeth out. 
Now, he didn't say this. He, didn't, I, he might have said it. I don't remember. But I know I, I, I was at lunch with them after. And how many of y'all remember that little electronic, electronic Bible doohickey that, that brother, uh, brother Doyle had? That had the Bible in their language. Well, every one of those missionaries gets one of them so that when they go to those villages. And by the way, the point is, all those villages are not friendly. Some will accept him and some won't. He just happened to go into one that was very anti-Christ and anti-Christian. And, and he was trying to share the gospel with them. And he had his little Bible. He had his little electronic Bible. And they begin to throw rocks at him to the point they busted his front teeth out. And Brother Bounds said that he was so upset. He was so upset, not because of his front teeth, but because they, they, they destroyed his little electronic Bible. Yeah. Y'all with me? And we, we want to we wanna whine if, if umbrellas ain't up at the picnic table. We, we want to whine because maybe people who are just trying to find God left, left a cigarette button. I'm, I'm saying that was me. I was walking the parking lot, walking the parking lot, and I came by the flower bed, and there were several cigarettes I had to stop and pick up. And I was just... And I'm whining. I tell you what, some of the messages here are so convicting, I need a cigarette. And no, I don't smoke, never have. But I'm worried about a cigarette in the flower bed, and this man's, his front teeth are busted out, and, and he's, they've, they've destroyed his tool to be able to share the gospel. Guys, we, we, we got problems. We complain and we whine, we bellyache. And God has been so, so good to us. And this man got his teeth knocked out. But they tore up his electronic Bible. What's the point? The fear of God will, will give you, listen, what I say the first one was? A commitment to obedience, Right? A commitment to obedience. Secondly, a boldness proclaiming the gospel. Then three, a joy in the midst of suffering. A joy in the midst of suffering. Look what it says. They rejoiced. In other words, that word is like as if our team won. How many, how many Alabama fans are here? God will forgive y'all. He will. <laughs> Any Auburn fans in here? Auburn fans? There's a few of you. He ain't going to forgive y'all. <laughs> <He ain't gonna. laughs> All right, we, we, y'all know who I root for. I'm just, I'm, I know I'm the Lone Ranger, so I ain't even going to ask you to raise your hand. <clears throat> but when your team scores, what do you do? Come on, don't act like that. I know what you do. I'm in Alabama. I know how y'all act. There you go. Come on. That kind of enthusiasm is the way they were acting after they were beat with 39 lashes. And that was to Simon Mount 
Listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We get excited about ball games. But when it comes to being obedient to Christ and, and suffering for the name of Christ, then we get upset. You know why? I think it goes back to the problem. There is no fear of God. Now watch, what, watch how this is worded. This is what was intriguing to me. Look what it says in verse number 40. And to him, and to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go, and they departed from the presence of the council. Watch this. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Wow. In other words, they seen it. They seen what they experienced and what they went through, this persecution, this suffering, this painful incident. They seen it as an approval from God. In other words, God had confidence in them. God had faith in them. God believed that they could handle it and they would take it the right way. They had the approval of God. We were counted worthy to suffer. God thought enough of us to allow us to not just experience the power of his resurrection, but the fellowship of his suffering. We were fellowshipping. We all want to talk about the fellowship of the resurrection and the fellowship of the power and the fellowship of the rising from the dead and the fellowship of the, of, of the healing of the blind man and the healing of the lame man and, and the feeding of the 5,000 and the calming of the storm. But nobody wants to talk about the fellowship of his sufferings. But the fear of God gave them the ability to shout and rejoice even in the midst of their suffering. That's amazing. Because they accounted it as a privilege. Not, not, just, not just as God looking at them and approving. But this was a privilege. I didn't have to go through this. I got to go through this. What a privilege. To be counted in the same vein in the same sentence as our Lord Jesus Christ. The American religion and the American church is a long ways from that. Would y'all agree with me? Look, and, and, and I want everybody to understand too, that joy in the midst of suffering, I'm not talking about a rainy night. I'm not talking about a flat tire. I'm talking about being ridiculed because you're a Christian. Being abused because you stand for Christ. Look what it says in the notes. Real quick. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Oh, oh. <clears throat> Something's wrong with that clock. It, I had four minutes just a while ago. All right, look, we got to read this part. We got to read this part. <clears throat> to paraphrase Philip Brooks, the purpose of life is to glorify... <coughs> glorify God by the building of character through truth. The apostles grew in godliness as they yielded to God's will and suffered for their master. In later years, watch this, Peter would have much to say in his first epistle, his first letter about the meaning of suffering in the life of the believer. But now he was learning the lessons. Now watch, watch how I'm a, we're going to pull all this together. 
What I'm fixing to read to you, we've read before out of 1 Peter. But what we are reading in the book of Acts is the experiences that Peter went through so that he would be able to write a letter to future Christians. Does that make sense? Because of what he suffered in the book of Acts, he was able to write this in his letter. Look what he says. Beloved. He's writing to the church. Now this is speaking to me and you. Beloved. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But, but, guess what? That's exactly what he did. In other words, he's not asking you to do something that he hasn't already done. He's not sending you up a ladder he hasn't already climbed. Are y'all with me? And he's telling you to rejoice because he's already been there, done that, and he knows you will be able to. Are y'all with me? Look, but rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, watch this, read it with me, ye may be glad also with exceeding Church, say amen. What is, it, what is Peter saying? Don't sweat it, guys. One day it's going to be worth it all. Paul said the same thing. He said, I reckon that the sufferings of your this present time cannot be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Amen? Hey, write this word down and then turn to Romans 3 for me. There's boldness to proclaim the gospel, joy in the midst of suffering, persistence to accomplish their commission. They didn't quit. They didn't stop. It says daily in the temple. Daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to preach Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Romans 3 and we'll quit. Paul is describing the state of the lost and the state of the ungodly and those without Christ. Romans 3.10, are you there? Say amen. amen. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and their tongues they use, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is in their, under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. Read it with me. Verse 18. There is. Say it again. Preacher, what does the New Testament church in America need? It needs the fear of God again. It needs the fear of God again. You remember how differently everybody acted when planes flew into towers? Churches were filled. People were scared. People were praying. But now, we have a missions month to focus on getting the gospel and fulfilling the Great Commission. And we have the lowest attended month all year. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. There's no fear of God. Not in the world. They never had it. 
But I'm afraid there's no fear of God in God's people. Why even worry about it? Because God is going to do something. And we've got to get it back. And all God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you.